0: Elrod, we are live from Princeton University.
1: So exciting. I've never been here before.
0: It, well, yeah, That's I've been here I once or twice. But it's a beautiful campus. And um, we are here uh, at the Chef Action Summit, which is hosted by the James Beard Foundation. Um, the James Beard Foundation has been around for 30 years. and. Um, You know, it's been about highlighting the centrality of food culture in our daily lives. And um, this week and this week and these few days is a a lot about um, chefs and their advocacy on issues that they care about. And uh, there's a lot of uh, I think you know we were talking a lot about this, but there is a lot of overlap I think in many interesting ways between the life of a chef and a lot of like the life of a pol- uh, a political operative. Uh, I think there's a lot of politics that go on in the kitchen, but there's also um, you know a lot of uh, ways that um, chefs have become advocates on important issues such as SNAP, um, uh, you know uh, uh, nutrition issues. And we're just happy to be here because we're looking forward to talking to some really incredible advocates and some incredible chefs. So we've got a uh, fantastic guest sitting to the left of us. Who's okay, are you awake, Kevin? Right.
1: I'm totally awake. <laughs> taking a small power
2: nap on the So no, I was taking a small power nap. No, I, I thought it was fascinating. Right, I'm a recovering political hack. So um, we are a family divided um, in our house. Right? Um, my husband is a totally all in for Elizabeth Warren and I am totally all in for Kamala Harris. So wow, we are a completely divided household.
0: The dinner table must be fun, right?
2: Um, the only thing we have in common right now are the Washington Nationals. Have I mentioned that yet? The Washington Nationals going to the um, World Series.
0: So, hey, Catherine. Tell our everyone knows here who in, in this hall who you are, but for our uh, millions and millions of listeners, explain to us um, just tell us a little about yourself and also about the James Beard Foundation.
2: Yeah, so um, my name is Catherine Miller. I'm the Vice President of Impact at the James Beard Foundation. The James Beard Foundation is best known for our awards that we recognize each year um, in leadership, in restaurants and chefs and restaurateurs and designs around the country. Um, I run a series of programs called our Impact Programs, and so we're here in Princeton with our Chefs Bootcamp for Policy and Change alumni, um, which is a group of over 250 chefs around the country who work on policy change in their local communities, in their state houses, and in the halls of Congress.
0: So when did you come up with, or when did the James Beard Foundation come up with the idea of the boot camp, and what was the... like? How, where did that come from? What was the genesis of that?
2: Yeah, so we had two trustees at the time, um, Michelle Nishan and Eric Kessler, who um, were our, our. Eric is still on the board of the James Beard Foundation, and Michelle was formerly on the board. Um, they saw a program that was actually created um, by Pearl Jam. Uh, called at the time called air traffic control and is now called revolutions permitted and it was the idea that we could train artists and activists and musicians to um, use their voice in support of policy change and so we took that model um, and I was really humbled and grateful to be brought into that but you know Eric and Michelle and the leadership of the James Beard Foundation at, the, at that time really saw the potential as chefs, as cultural influencers, as community leaders, as business owners to be able to, I mean, they're sort of the perfect constituent to go into a member of Congress's office, right? They create jobs, they pay taxes, they solve problems. So they're really the perfect um, folks to bring forth the messages of other folks in their community, whether that be farmers or fishermen or mental health activists um, in a way that's authentic, but driven from solutions or deliver, um, you know, really focused on, Solutions oriented policies and really coming from the heart of the people and the communities they represent
1: So Catherine you talk about how chefs are great advocates for their communities that they are Some of the best advocates who go to Capitol Hill and make a case for what they're supporting What policy issue they are um, backing? But how did you come to that conclusion like what made you decide you know what? We're gonna get chefs activated. We're gonna train them we're gonna take them to Capitol Hill. We're gonna introduce them to their members of Congress. We're gonna use them as activists. Like what made you decide or what made the people in, your, in the James Beard yes. Foundation decide to do that?
2: Yeah, I think the Beard Foundation looked around and saw what we all saw, which is that, you know, everybody knows food, right? We watch it on yes. TV. Our kids, um, you know, are watching it on TV. They all, no one 30 years ago really aspired to be a chef. Now every niece and nephew and kid we all have wants to be a chef. I think the other thing that the Beard Foundation and Eric and Michelle really recognized was this idea that, I mean, the top 50 chefs have as many followers as Kim Kardashian, right? It may take 50 chefs to equal a Kim Kardashian, but they're still there. Right, And so if we could take that and turn that from just posting great pictures of kale salads or beautiful dishes or imperfect foods, and we could turn that into, hey, pay attention to us because we want to talk about sustainability, we want to talk about um, water quality, we want to talk about how you shouldn't, you know, fish bluefin tuna, all of those things, like we could do that because we had the built-in audience and the chef community had the built-in audience to do that.
1: And what kind of response have you seen from lawmakers when you brought chefs to the Hill? I mean, how do they respond to chefs compared to other people in different industries? Um, There's no one
2: that a member of Congress wants to take a selfie with more than a chef, right?
1: And they're hoping the chef will share that selfie on their own Instagram, they can get more followers, right? Right,
2: I mean, how many of the chefs in the audience have a member of Congress come into their restaurant? Everybody, right? Or governor or president or, right? I mean, these are people that are already coming into their restaurants. They're already part of their community. And so um, they also just are really legitimate people to knock on that door
1: and ask for something. How many people in this audience have members of Congress who expect to get a free meal when they come into your restaurant? Anyone? Uh, ethics. That would be illegal. That would be illegal. That's true, but I'm just saying they might, you know, they might. No, but I mean I mean we, we we do
2: a funny thing at our chef's boot camp for policy and change where we do sort of role plays and we always talk about the role plays being like where the member of Congress is like, Hey, can I get a reservation? Right?
1: Can I get a free forty ounce steak?
2: Yeah, and a no free bottle of Again, ethics, Adrian, ethics. I'm,
1: I'm joking. Business <laughs>
2: ethics. Yeah. Business ethics.
0: Um So fast forward 2020, what are some of the what are some of the policy issues that um, um, you believe can activate voters that are, you know, uh, sort of in line with what, you know, the chefs you're working with are, are focused on?
2: Yeah, I mean, the chefs are here at Princeton University for the next couple of days to really look at what um, food policies they might be interested in forwarding. But food touches everything that we touch, right? There is not a voter who is not an eater. They are actually synonymous. Voter equals eater, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we have to look at the policies that shape our food system because Really, food has the power to um, free us, it has the power to nurture us, it has the power to make us healthy, it also has the power to kill us. And the absence of it has the power to kill us and weaken us, and so there is no other issue that touches every other issue and every human in the same way that food does. So we can talk about immigration through a lens of food, we can talk about mental health through it, through food, we can talk about farm policies through food, we can talk about foreign policy through food, And so there's no better group of people to go and make that case than the people who prepare the food, work with the farmers, work with the fishermen, work with the work, you know, support the workers. You want to talk about wage and inequality in this country? Restaurants employ the majority of Americans will work in a restaurant at some point in their lifetime. Whether that's scooping, you know, popcorn in a movie theater restaurant, whether that's being a waitress, whether that's being a waiter. So there is no better industry that's really positioned to talk about all. issues that are central to our both our humanity and our planet and our health and our survival than chefs so
1: so i'm going to ask you a question it's sort of political but it's more just a, a, a question that's going to evolve from the current times that we're in in have you seen the public's interest in Sustainability, understanding where their food's coming from. Have you seen that wane a little bit in the Trump era? Because obviously, Donald Trump is sucking up so much oxygen in the media. There's not enough space to talk about some of the issues that people used to talk about. I mean, it's on MSNBC, I mean, you're seeing almost every segment is political. Whereas at least it, it, back in back in the days, back in the olden days, you could at least sometimes see public interest segments about food or other issues that you're not always seeing drive the news every day. Are you seeing that change or are people even more amped up to make sure that they're getting their nutrition and their food, food in the right way because they're not seeing it on the news every day so they're thinking we have to be active citizens, we have to take this, this initiative into our own hands?
2: Yeah, I mean apologies to our media friends right here and many who were in the audience and all, will be with us tomorrow at Princeton is that the, the communities are rising up. These are citizen activists. They're not here. Pe- they're not paid to be here. They're not paid to be on Washington, in, on Capitol Hill. They're, this is—they're doing it because the planet is on fire, our communities are endangered, our neighbors are suffering. And so there is no other hospitable, there's no more hospitable, passionate group of advocates than the people who are living and working in the communities in which they serve. And so they they are gonna take this, right? And so this is, maybe it's not a news story and we'd like it to be more of a news story. We'd like to see amazing stories of farmers and fishermen and chefs getting together, but the reality is they're gonna do the quiet, hard work to get it done. Um, and they're all gonna turn it on for something that's really important to them. And so that's really, I mean, for us at Beard and at the Beard Foundation and for the Chef's Bootcamp for Policy and Change, the other thing is in order to be passionate about an issue, you have to care about the issue. I can ask you or you can ask them or a candidate can ask them to care about something, but if they don't actually care about it, they won't do it. And so what we do is just give chefs the tools to um, to take the issue that they care about into their communities, into their members of Congress office, and work on it from there.
0: So uh, we talk, uh, we're talking a, a good deal about the uh, activism that takes place in Washington, but obviously a lot of change happens at state capitals. Um, can Can you share with us? What you're seeing from many of the people you're working with on?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. We're seeing amazing work in the state capitals and in this, even at city council level, right? So, it, but we're seeing chefs, um, Patrick Mulvaney's in the audience today. He's been working at multiple levels in California related to mental health, but also into farmers' rights, right? Andrea Rusing's around um, from North Carolina. Like, these are. Um, Tiffany Derry, who I think you're going to talk to next from um, Texas, right? These are people who are active in their local communities. They are standing with their neighbors. They know how to do this. And they also have these great relationships. I mean, the governors and the state legislators are all coming into their restaurants, they see them on a day to day basis. I mean, I remember being at Mulvaney's b and in Sacramento and at the time Jerry Brown, the governor, walked in and he was like, hey, he wasn't like, hey, chef, or hey, it's nice to meet you. He was like, hey, Patrick, hey, Bobbin, how you doing? Right? That is an open door that we are able to walk through as a chef community that really no one else is able to do in the same way that this community is.